Welcome everybody to the Straight Shooter Wrestling Podcast. I am one half of your host, Santi. Here with my other half, Steve. How you doing? Not too bad, buddy. How's the week been for you? Oh, it's been it's been pretty good. I can't complain. We had a shockingly amazing pay-per-view this past weekend. We absolutely trashed all over it prior to the card um but it you know what they made us eat our words i was very pleasantly surprised with hell in a cell 2022 a very lackluster card on paper but the boys and girls in the back delivered absolutely yeah it was uh one of those pay-per-views that you and i had very low hopes for and we were pleasantly 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 surprised so um well done to the everyone even i will even say the producers did a good job on this one because i think even the storytelling was fantastic um and a big shout out to our youtube channel everybody that joined us in the live i think we had up to 1200 people at one point in our live on tiktok and guys don't forget that we always go live for all of the pay-per-views or the uh, sorry the premium live events that uh, wwe mostly puts on we do do some AEW ones but i just want to say thank you to everyone who made that live absolutely phenomenal and Again, blowing up the Twitter, over 600 followers uh, on Twitter. We've broken 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. I think we went up 2,000 just in that live. Um, absolutely insane numbers. And uh, Santi, do you mind if I uh, do our weekly shout outs to uh, the people listening around the world? Yeah, who do we have? We have, uh, well, the first one I'm going to shout out just because it is the smallest little town I've ever heard of. Happy Valley Goose Bay, and that is just of the northwest of Newfoundland and Labrador in Canada. Why do you uh, live there, whoever's listening? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, we're going to stay in Canada for a second. We got Grand Prairie that jumped up on the blip today. Um, I'm still shouting out my family in Victoria who have yet to listen. So Victoria, BC, hurry up and get smart. Um, we're going to go down to Costa Rica. Costa Rica, uh, San Juan, or San Jose, San Jose, Costa Rica. And the final one that we are going to shout out today, Lima, Peru. No way. All right. The 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 Incas are listening. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Let's go. Still no Falkland Islands. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Still no Falkland Islands, but uh, we're starting to warm up in Egypt, though. Oh, let's so. go. Yo, straight shoe banner across the pyramids of Giza. But Steve, today's podcast is brought to you by no one. We don't have any sponsors. So if you're listening and you want to give us money to sponsor something, maybe DraftKings or whatever, whatever you want us to peddle, we have zero morals. All right. Give us money and we will sponsor whatever it is that you want us to shout out so long as the dollar price is right. We're ready to sell our souls, baby. Um, But. That being said, Steve, let's get into our topic of the show because we've already sort of alluded about it. We're going to talk about a particular performance in the Royal Rumble, and then we're going to expand on that conversation. We're going to be talking first about the Cody Rhodes performance at Hell in a Cell, and then we will expand the conversation into talking about some of the most heroic performances in wwe slash wwe or wrestling history now i will say right now okay what cody rhodes did at 
Hell in a Cell, regardless of the severity of the injury, because there's so much debate about how rough of an injury it is. Look, the, the, the way I want to maybe give an example of is, you know, like if you have a, a slight cut in your forehead, it's going to bleed as if you're dying. Maybe a slight tear in your pec will bruise that way. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. That being said, that is irrelevant. What Cody Rhodes did with that injury is nothing short of heroic and absolutely incredible to the point where me, one of the the major Cody Rhodes doubters as he returned to WWE had to just bow down, clap and respect the ever living crap out of this man because what he did was nothing short of amazing and on top of that it wasn't just that he went through with the match it was a 30 minute slobber knocker it wasn't some it wasn't as if they were even working around his injury steve they were they it was attacking it yeah it was used as a storyline component rather than as a crutch i I, I want to give you the floor here and just get your initial thoughts on, on Cody Rhodes' performance. Honestly, Santi, you and I both have not been the greatest uh, supporters of Cody Rhodes coming into the WWE. Um, just one of those guys coming back um, with a big contract. That's how we both really looked at it. Uh, I think you and I have been shouting to the ceiling that he's just mid-card, mid-card, mid-card uh sunday night cody really made us eat our words and i'll own up to it and i'll be the first one to say you know what yeah we we now need to literally focus a little bit on cody Rhodes when he comes back come rumble time didn't you immediately buy an american nightmare shirt right after this just come clean just come clean I may or may not have bought an American Nightmare shirt. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you're going to get one after that performance, I'm not going to judge you. All right. Yeah. And, and that's coming from the person that bought $150 worth of John Cena gear in that same order. But I digress. <laughs> um, so- but where I, where I was going with this, Santi, is it, it you and I have both worked in the fitness industry. Um, we've been around guys who have had pec injuries. For everyone saying that was makeup or that was a shoot you're or whatever. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Absolute idiot. That is one of the worst pec tears I have ever seen. The fact that like three days later, the bruising was around his wrist just shows physically how bad that injury really is. Might be off the bone, might not be off the bone. I was watching a doctor on TikTok talking about what the pec injury is, and they were talking specifically about Cody Rhodes. Hmm. Point being, this is a legit injury, and Cody Rhodes was literally a one-armed man in a proverbial ass-kicking contest, and he fought back heroically. And that is our topic of the show, and why Cody Rhodes deserves to be acknowledged, and for his absolute fantastic display in this match, but let's not take anything away from Seth Rollins, because Seth Rollins was the architect in that match i hate to the proverbial architect but he was the architect in the match his storytelling was just as good if not better than cody's because seth had less to work with really he had to bring out 
the whole new dynamic and work around the injury to work the injury in. And he did that flawlessly. So let's not take away mm -hmm. from what Seth Rollins did as well. Yeah, I was going to I I feel like you hit it on the head there. Um, you know, when it comes to professional wrestling, when somebody is injured and you are trying to work through the injury to complete the match, the person that needs to be careful isn't the injured person. It's the person that isn't injured because now not only is your, I mean, your career is always on the line when you're, when you're in the ring, but not only is your safety on the line because you're working with somebody who might not be able to lift you fully, who is, who might miss a cue because of the injury. But now you are now the one that is dictating whether or not that injury is going to get worse based on what moves you call, what cadence you use, how fast you do moves, and all of that fell on Seth Rollins. Now, again, we're, the heroic performance, we're going to give it to Cody, but the professionalism through and through goes to Seth Rollins, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what you said is like the move set and the cadences and the speed of the match. And understandably, you and I were sitting there and it was the first time I think you and I have ever watched the match and like hardly talked. I was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Like there were spots in that match where I physically thought I was going to be sick. I don't know how Cody was do not throwing up halfway through. I think he actually looked like he was about to throw up at one point. But um, where I was going with this is Cody, like the speed of that match was obviously slower than usual. But if you are not a massive well well versed wrestling fan you would never have noticed never have noticed that really those guys were only going at a pace of about five or six when they normally go eight or nine maybe ten so it was if they were able to hide that that well it shows just the ability of both parties in the match to put on a four-star match for a hell in a cell that everyone's expecting to have brutality and there was brutality in that but it was brutality in like that uncomfortable sense so mm -hmm. it was oh it was i i give it to him give give seth all the credit you want but cody goddamn man you're nuts it, here's a here's another reason why this um this match made me gain a, so much respect for cody rhodes uh and why i want to label this as a, as a heroic performance this wasn't a WrestleMania payday. You know, it's not as if this was going to be in front of a, a hundred thousand people in, in, in LA or, or at a SummerSlam in a stadium or, or at a Royal Rumble in a stadium. This was a B tier pay-per-view where everybody would have been perfectly okay with Cody missing. I mean, our champion <laughs> wasn't even at this pay-per-view. Everybody would have been okay with Cody Rhodes either doing a match that is worked in a way where it was done in two minutes, there was a run-in interference, or he takes off the jacket and the ref is like, no, not no, at all, not, not happening. Not happening. Yeah. Everybody would have been okay. I don't think that there would have been a soul, and that's Chicago, a booing crowd. Nobody would have booed. After seeing that injury absolutely no one would have booed i think i think him taking that jacket off in the way the slow methodical way he did i re, uh, there was a hush 
over the you don't put chicago quiet at all chicago is that town that never stops and there was a hush like most people you'd be like oh it wasn't even really there it was somewhat there but then it was just a very small hush dude this is gonna be a weird comparison but it gave me vibes of whenever somebody would get picked to participate in the hunger games right i don't know if you've seen those movies but like everybody's just sort of like quiet and like like concerned and you don't know what's going to happen next and i feel like that's what the crowd felt and this is what i mean like this was a hell in a cell pay-per-view and cody still made the decision apparently he made the call that i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna bust my ass off and i'm going to perform because that's what the people came to see we are the only hell in a cell match in a hell in a cell pay-per-view and he went out there and he didn't just deliver in a match that we as an audience would have expected which would have been a very safe match that again could have had a run in a way ways to protect cody right Mm -hmm. no they went through what i think was the original choreography of the match just at a slower pace which actually i think that slower pace funny enough added to the uncomfortableness of everything that was going on because it brought that sense of realism like there is somebody in there who is vulnerable like actually genuinely vulnerable that at any moment could implode because their body just stops working so and i think that's what all wrestling fans were, were thinking and this is why i say that everybody would have been perfectly okay with him or the wwe saying no this match is not going through but it went through anyway and and it's going to be remembered steve this match is going to be remembered as an all-time wwe moment not saying it's uh, the greatest match of all time this is a memorable wwe moment i am saying mankind falling off the cage i am saying undertaker losing his streak It's going to be remembered in that light because this is so unique, so different. This will not be forgotten. No, this is going to go down as a moment of the year in 2022 in pro wrestling. Simple as that. Nothing is going to beat that. There is nothing else that can top what Cody Rhodes has done this year. Like, just give him him that award. Give him that for the slammy that nobody cares about. But... At the end of the day, when all the journalists and all the people in on the dirt sheets start writing at the year end, what was the moment of the year? First ballot, no one else is even in the spectrum. It will be Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. The final thing I want to mention on this point of this match, back to the injury for a moment. The swelling at the start was bad. Okay? But at the end of it, Cody Rhodes had the arm the size of John Cena's. It (laughs) was massive. So just to show how bad the injury was, he was three to four times the size of what his normal arm is. That is nasty. Like, I was just, I, I, again, physically uncomfortable. But just give this man as much credit. This is going to go down in history as one of the one of the greatest moments of all time, one of the greatest matches of all time in Hell in a Cell. And we just did our top five Hell in a Cell. And I'm sorry, even though it didn't have all those Cell moments, it had mini ones, it didn't need it. It will go down as one of the top, top 10 Hell in a Cell moments of all time. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, this get the, the picture of Cody is I think is going to be alongside the picture of Austin bleeding out. I really genuinely believe that. I I, I really think that it, it's going to be one of those moments that is going to be compared. And hell, we're comparing them today, really, because uh, we're going to be uh, comparing some other moments um, that wrestling fans consider either kind of like heroic performances or, you know, extraordinary performances in the light of adversity. Um, now, this adversity was a real life one, right? But... Yeah. It's the world of WWE where adversities are put into place in terms of storylines to create interest and care. And I think that this next heroic performance that we're going to talk about was WWE at its finest in terms of creating that storyline roadblock for a superstar that they had to climb and they had to overcome. And we're going to be talking about Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. So Steve, for you and for everybody listening, let me give the rundown of what Daniel Bryan had to do that night. First, he was the opener against a hall of famer in triple H and arguably potentially the best match of the night. Um, and it ended with Daniel Bryan winning, but then Triple H, and here's what I mean with the storyline, Triple H putting his arm through hell and destroying it, leaving Daniel Bryan as a one-armed man, going into the main event against two more Hall of Famers in Batista and Randy Orton, where he was the obvious underdog in both stature, strength, ability, all of this stuff. And, of course, the fact that he only had one arm and then he came out victorious in uh, in the match by submitting Batista. First match, 17 minutes. Second match, 25 minutes. An all-time great performance in a single night. I have to say that this falls under the ca- category of heroic in the context of storyline, not in the context of realism like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, um, so we're we're talking about a storyline, Santi, that, you know what, uh, the comments are going to say, hey, common Steve L, like usual, and personally, I don't care. Hey, this was keep one of saying the- it, we're just going to make it a t-shirt and profit off of it. <laughs> um, this was a storyline I couldn't stand, um, but I always respect a good storyline, so I'm contradicting myself, but it was just one I didn't really pay attention to much, but watching it develop over the night you saw the writing in the stars and how this was all going to play out. And uh, it's almost like a very slow, methodical beatdown. Uh, but, you know, it, it still came out to be perfection. Uh, going in first match against Triple H. And again, like you said, arguably the best match of the night. Arguably. And still being like beaten down by the end of it. He didn't walk out of there comfortable. It wasn't like he had all the momentum. If anything, he was set back a couple of steps. Uh, and we don't know, even know if that injury was real or fake. It could have, it could have been a, it could have been a real injury. We don't know. Um, but going in that Batista, I really, for some reason thought myself in that pay-per-view, I thought Batista for some reason was going over. I thought so too. I really, I, I I'm with you. I it was the entrance that did it for me and I'm like 
okay, like I know where they're trying to push this for it to be like Daniel Bryan's moment. And they tend to give the entrance to the person who wins the match. So like, okay, Batista is getting this very interesting Hollywood-esque entrance. And I'm like, okay, so Batista is going to go over in this. And they did put on a great, what was it? 24, 25 minute match. And it was, it wasn't a spot fest, but like it was a don't sit down or don't look away because you're going to miss something. Um, the transitions of everything from like the, you know, the original like gang up and beat on Daniel Bryan. And then the transition to, you know, the singles competitors going at it. And then like the, the, the counts and the submission spots, they were all just hey, so and, well. And, and let's not forget the, uh, Batista bomb into an RKO through the Spanish announce table on Daniel Bryan. Yo, put that Spanish announce table in the Hall of Fame. Let's That's what oh. we're saying. That's <laughs> what we're saying. Hey, heroic performance to the Spanish announce table. <laughs> oh, but what I'm saying is they were able to put on a phenomenal match and still make him look like the underdog, but not like he wasn't worth anything. If that makes any sense, uh, how I put that across. So no, heroic performance, again, not my favorite, not my most favorite storyline, but you can't help but respect the storyline and yeah. how they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, I, this is, I know it's not your favorite storyline, but I believe that this was WWE at its finest. Um, I, in, I accidentally creating this because this was not their intended uh, course of action, but you know, whether it was accidental or not, um, they did a great job at creating the semblance of an insurmountable journey for, for Daniel Bryan and making it even more insurmountable by having to face three members of evolution in the same night. Can I just point something out about this storyline that just came back to me? This was during the whole massive anti-bullying uh, program that WWE was running. And all Stephanie McMahon was doing for the six months leading into this was bullying the absolute crap out of Daniel Bryan. And I, I just, that was one of the ones I thought was absolutely hilarious to, to see like Stephanie outside doing the whole anti-bullying campaign, campaign at the schools and then like coming on. And like standing over this man and making him feel like he's like a freshman in high school. Uh, anyways, sorry, hey, that's where going. we that's where we got the term. You're a B plus player. player, and what a what, dude? That's like the worst insult. <laughs> that is the worst insult. I'd rather be called an absolute failure than a B plus <laughs> player. I'm gonna be honest with you. All right, let's uh let's move this uh this train along here, Steve, and we'll actually turn the clock back a little bit here by talking uh about 2006, shortly after the passing of um the legend of legends Eddie Guerrero we had Rey Mysterio at the 2006 Royal Rumble putting on a 62 minute performance coming in at number two um alongside Triple H and both men go right to the distance um in Rey Mysterio winning it after a 62 man Iron Man performance uh did you did you watch this Royal Rumble back uh back then or no uh, this was uh, basically paying homage to my favorite wrestler of all time, 
this was definitely one I wasn't missing. I've never been a massive Rey Mysterio fan, but I would have rioted and probably broke my TV if he had not won that Royal Rumble. Um, and pay and the way he was able to pay homage to Eddie in so many instances during that match just made it so much better. It just showed the connection between the two brothers or best friends who became brothers and just the connection that they had in the business and the industry. Um, he Ray was able to carry Eddie's legacy pretty much through this entire uh match and you just saw the emotion in his eyes during so many of the spots and so many of the eliminations and it was you know you know the little man versus all the giants and really he outdid himself it's almost like um cody's performance against seth in the hell in a cell um he did a lot of things he didn't need to do in this rumble match but it just showed how much this meant that's that's how i felt about this match um there was some world-class athletes in that rumble um especially having hunter go right to the end as well well the 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 final three gives me vibes of daniel bryan because it was ray mysterio triple h and randy orton he, ray mysterio was in the ring in the final three with two absolute monsters of the business, not just monsters of the business, but untouchables at that time. Because Randy Orton was the wonderkin, right? Yep. Like he was the next star. Yeah. And then we had Triple H, the proverbial barrier, right? Who at all this was just after the reign of terror, thank God, because otherwise we wouldn't have gotten this moment. But you know, you're connecting this to the Cody Rhodes match. I'm gonna connect this to to the Randy Orton moment. Excuse me, to the Daniel Bryan moment because you know we had two of the same guys that the little guy had to overcome which just kind of goes to show um you know how wwe uh, how highly wwe sees the likes of randy orton and triple h obviously that's an obvious statement um but like when they are your final boss right yeah exactly they're your final boss for 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 the little guy to overcome and they've been the final boss since 2006 all the way up until now basically um that's that's very impressive but the royal rumble itself um this was uh so a couple a uh, couple facts um about this so right before this we had the backstage segment of Rey Mysterio pulling the ball and right before he opens it he prays to to the heavens and Eddie please give me a good number opens it up it's number two and then Rey Mysterio laughs like ah this this is classic Eddie um yeah. and another fact is to date with the exception of the non-canon greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia this is the longest Iron Man performance in Royal Rumble history still has not been beaten to this day and I don't think that it needs to be beaten I think that this is one of those Royal Rumble facts, you know how they do the 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 vignettes like the 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 Royal Rumble facts. I want this one to be on there forever. Oh, so do I. I I think uh there's going to well, I think it actually got broken because of uh the greatest Royal Rumble, but like Kane's eliminations in the Royal Rumble. That's one I never want to really see be broken and I think Roman's close. Oh, I, I think, think I think Brock broke it. 
Was Brock, it? I, I no, he, I think he was one short. Was he one short? I, I can't think remember. He was one short. Yeah, yeah, when he before he got eliminated by McIntyre because he was tossing out everybody. I thought he might yeah. have broken it. We we we'll double check uh, that. We'll double check it. But uh, but Ray's how long Ray has lasted? I honestly believe it, it does not need to be broken. Nobody needs to outdo him uh, in this performance because of the significance and the importance of this of this rumble um and what who he was doing it for so uh reporter uh santiago here coming in from straight shooter wrestling podcast just uh reporting in um brock lesnar does hold the record that royal rumble he eliminated 13 <laughs> 13 oh. people oh no i meant all time how oh, many is individual okay i thought you meant like no. single rumble eliminations no, no 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 i meant individually of all time i still think kane or roman holds that I'm, I, yeah. I will check for you. Uh, but yeah, any any other thoughts that you want to add to 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 this match? The only other thing I want to add, and it's not that match specifically. It's still a Rey Mysterio performance, and it is the Raw tribute episode to Eddie Guerrero that Ray ended up going in and having a banger of a technical wrestling match against Shawn Michaels on that, on that Monday night raw. They both came out in uh, the I'm your poppy shirts. They shook hands in the middle of the ring and then went to work like the professionals they were. And honestly, I I'm one of those ones that think that show should never have happened. They just, just canceled it. Um, like another topic we're going to get into uh, very soon in this episode, but uh it's one of those ones where if you are a world-class performer, like you go out, the show must go on, I guess. But th those two put on, especially Ray, the emotions he would have probably been going through that day, um, just incredible. So that's all I have to say about like heroic performances when it comes to Ray Mysterio. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you. All right. Let's uh, move on to what I personally think is the better version of Yeslemania. And it's the lead up the Kofi mania. We are talking about the Kofi Kingston gauntlet match. Um, so that he could, um, um, so that he could get his shot at WrestleMania for the WWE world heavyweight championship against Daniel Bryan. Now I'm going to list the people that he had to be in the ring with for 45 minutes. Okay. We had the Viper, Randy Orton, the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe, the bar, both Cesaro and Sheamus, and Rowan. Daniel uh, Kofi Kingston beat all of them to earn this shot. But of course, as uh, Vince McMahon says, no chance in hell. He comes out, ruins the moment by saying there is one more opponent, and that opponent being the champion at the time, Daniel Bryan, which is honestly kind of poetic having Daniel Bryan be the antagonist in a storyline that is very much mimicking the a very similar storyline that he was in. Kofi Kingston loses after 45 minutes, still puts on one of the most heroic performances, I think, in modern era without, you know, any sort of um, real life trauma like the death of Eddie Guerrero or Cody yeah. Rhodes' injury. This was just in-ring storytelling that made you care for Kofi and made you actually believe that Cody 
deserves this shot, but also legitimizes Kofi by saying he beat all of these dudes. Daniel Bryan should be nothing at WrestleMania. He deserves Daniel Bryan. Of course, he gets screwed out of his moment. Eventually does make his way onto WrestleMania. But one more thing to add, Steve, that was on free television. That was on free television. And the funniest part about this, Santi, I have still never seen this match. Um, you and I had to talk about this coming into uh, recording this episode. And I this is one of these matches that we've talked about and I have to go watch. Um, but the one thing I do want to say to this, I'm seeing a trend over all of these. And maybe there is like an at the end of this that we have to say performance wise, we have to give some respect to Randy Orton. He's involved in all of this. Oh, yeah. I'm actually, yeah, it's unintentional, though. We, this is completely yeah. unintentional. And I do believe, no, I think we're done with Randy Orton now. But everything that we have so far talked about, Randy Orton has been that stepping stone for everyone. And that just shows the respect and the leadership that Randy Orton has been given and earned in the back by Vince and the whole locker room. So I'm just saying that's the one thing I need to go watch this match and put some respect on Kofi's name. That's on me. But honestly, like I don't have nothing against Kofi Kingston. I've just never seen this match. Yeah, uh, I'll add a little bit more conjecture here before we move on. Uh, another reason why I believe that this is uh, so memorable and again, a quote unquote heroic performance. This is a career mid Carter. Yep. Right. This is a career mid Carter finally being given the opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. Not yep. being given the brass ring, but being told, go get it. Go earn it. Go earn it. Here is here is your shot on mm-hmm. free television being seen by millions of people. And we are going to put you in the ring with some of the best that we got. Yep. Go earn it, dude. Either fl- float or flounder. And yep. he floated like a motherfucker because that performance was absolutely stellar. The crowd was through the roof. The announcers were feeling Kofi. All right. Yep. Michael Cole is 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 underrated. Is under we can do an overrated, underrated on Michael Cole, but Michael Cole is underrated and elevating people during matches. And he elevated Kofi Kingston to the point where you as a fan you needed this you needed to see Kofi Kingston win you felt like you were feeling the weight that Kofi Kingston was feeling and speaking of weight his facial expressions his body language throughout the entire match was that of a man that was beaten but not defeated if that makes sense he was being put through the grinder and his body was feeling it and his body language was feeling it but that face throughout the entire match was a face of determination in the face of somebody who is hungry to deliver on this one moment that he's finally been given after 10 years yeah. of being a tag team specialist, a mid-carder, a comedy act, a fake a Jamaican. Rumble. Yeah, a Royal Rumble spot uh, yeah. competitor. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I love that wwe gave this moment to somebody who really put in the the work to earn it 
Unfortunately, the only other person that I can think of in history that got this moment is somebody who fucking ruined it is Chris Benoit. But it really gives me vibes of that. It really gives me vibes of here is the moment for the workhorse. You're never going to get this moment again, Kofi, because we're not going to put the strap on you again. So it's your job to make this moment memorable. And he did. And guys, no, we're not going to talk about Chris Benoit's performance leading into WrestleMania. So don't ask. No. Anyway, Santi, that was a good one. Let's move on to uh, which one do you want? Let's go into uh, let's go into a funny one. Sure. Let's yeah, go let's do it. Let's go into this is this is one I picked out of out of out of the sky. And I think honestly, if you have ever had an injury like this, um, you really need to understand how good this man no sold it. And this is Vince McMahon tearing both quads <laughs> at Royal Rumble 2005, the botch fest that was the double elimination. Uh Batista and John Cena. Santi, I've pulled a muscle or two in my life, but I have never ripped one quad, let alone both, off the bones and never been able to no-sell it like Vince McMahon did. This man power walks his ass down the ramp. Or it wasn't even a ramp, it was just a flat aisle for that. Does the worst slide into the ring, goes to stand up, and literally jelly legs himself <laughs> to the ground. <sighs> and he just sits there for a second, cross-armed. You, do, Contem- you just know he's dying in pain inside. <laughs> oh, honestly, like, I would be rolling around on the floor. Like I stub I my toe and I cry. Exactly. And this guy rips both quads at the same time off the bone. Sits there and literally detentions these guys for seven to ten minutes trying to figure out what has just gone on and then finally gets his help to the back and then goes to hospital obviously but santi help me here how does he do that dude because he's vincent kennedy mcmahon that's how he's the only man that could no sell a gruesome career altering injury uh the way that he did but yes um i would say that this does fall as heroic because it fell onto him to salvage a botched main event right and he came out there obviously i'm sure he wasn't expecting to tear both of his squads tore both the squads and still managed to make that on the fly decision which was the i mean it it was a great decision to, to restart it all while being in that vince mcmahon character the pissed off are you fucking kidding me right now? Look, that only Vince McMahon can deliver. All without even so much as a grimace of pain in his face. But like I said, I know that man was dying on the inside. If you guys ever want to watch a hilarious interview, first off, go watch Vince recalling how he felt during that moment on the Pat McAfee show, the recent one that he was just on. The other one you should definitely go watch is the Edge interview when he was in the UK on how he recalls Vince tearing his quads. Because if you guys don't remember, Edge was the 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 third last elimination or the second last elimination in that rumble. And as he's walking to the back, Vince is power walking past Edge. 
And then Edge goes into the back and hears that Vince is injured. <laughs> and apparently everyone in the locker room, like, left. Because they were too scared to, like, see Vince after this. He was so, you have to go watch this interview. Like, I might even throw the link up in the bio of this video. But this was one of those ones where, like, everyone has a story about what happened when Vince tore his quads. So, is it heroic? Yes. Is it a wrestling match? No. Do we still acknowledge it? Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. So <laughs> that Alright, we're moving on. Unfortunately, this is something a little bit more serious. Uh, but up until now, we've talked about about in-ring performances. Not maybe not so much the Vince one, uh, but I guess even even that happened um, in the ring. Uh, but we're actually going to move on and talk about our 1999 commentary team of Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler um, during the broadcast of the 1999 Over the Edge pay per view, um, where Owen Hart fell and 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 died in front of everybody. And I wanted to add this on here because this was a situation where you could tell neither Jim Ross nor the King felt that it was appropriate to continue on with the show. But the powers that be made the show continue, and so the show must go on. And, you know, I did, I did not watch this live. I've, this, I is, this is something that I've watched after the fact is because it's, it's one of those uh, Smith, Smithonian moments in WWE history. It's one of those moments that people will always go back to. And the fact that these two were able to maintain a level of professionalism and continuing to call the show while still being able to have the correct level of empathy for what they have just seen to me just speaks levels to their bravery to be able to deliver that message to the audience at home because that had to have been absolutely heartbreaking but then also the professionalism of being able to not necessarily move past that moment but pivot around that moment and call the match that you know we can debate all day as to whether or not the matches should have gone on, but they did went on, go on and the guys and girls who were in the ring deserved to have their matches called. And they had their matches called by two consummate professionals in Jim Ross and Jerry, the King Lawler again, in the face of probably the worst tragedy that they've witnessed with their own eyes. Yeah. So for Santi, for reference, I did watch this one live. I remember I always used to sit on the floor right in front of my dad's massive. Remember those big Panasonic TVs that weighed like 200 pounds? Oh, yeah. So we had one of those, and I used to sit on the floor right in front of it. And I remember the one thing I remember is Jerry the King Lawler's eyes. Um, so if you guys didn't watch this, they obviously panned to the fans, but it was also when they finally, like, Things started to get released and Jerry the King Lawler was actually one of the first people to um, get to Owen. He he actually left commentary and ran over uh, and was checking on him. And then when he came back, his eyes were different. They were almost soulless, if that's a way of showing the expression. There was nothing there. It was just a blank ghost face. 
Um, and we, my a mom man in shock, it was a man in shock. Yeah, exactly. And my, I remember looking at my mom and I was, I was, I was 11 or 12 when this happened. And I looked over and I, I, I said, is this real? Or, and my mom just herself sat there in shock because we knew all knew what was, what was happening. Um, but to go back to Jr and, uh, Jerry, the King Lawler, um, they didn't deserve they didn't deserve or need sorry they were the right people to bring it across but they should never have had to be those yeah. people to bring it across if that's what i'm saying i get what um, you're saying yeah i i think that should have been a vince mcmahon owning it and coming out and coming on commentary i personally that that's my opinion and i also don't think they should have announced it during the broadcast of the show um because that i don't remember a match after that I remember the announcement and it was, I think, I think the world was shocked at that point. And uh, so to talk about a performance, no wonder they are always going to go down as the greatest commentary team of all time, because they were able to adapt to any situation at any point of a botch or a broken leg or a Spanish announce table break or uh, the worst thing that could have ever happened in the ring. Um, but kudos, absolute kudos to Jerry the King Lawler and uh, Jim Ross for their performance and the ability to stay completely professional and not make it the center of attention and able to move past it, like you said, and still call a mid-tier pay-per-view and just get to go home, basically, just to get out. And they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, like I said, this is one of those moments that um, I think every wrestling fan should just experience, right? You need to go back and understand what happened that night, and you need to watch the show, and yeah, and, and see for yourself what we're talking about because it, it it's easy. You know, when there's the visual representation of heroism like Cody Rhodes or the Daniel Bryans, right? Um, but it, it's more difficult to convey here in this podcast the, again, like just the difficulty of what Jerry the King Lawler and what Jim Ross had to do. It, it's something that I would never wish upon anybody at all in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, you know, they were the guys that were pegged for the job. And I think those were, like you said, the only guys that you want in that yeah, position. Exactly. And honestly, I hope we never have to experience that again. And I hope no commentary team ever has to do that again. Um, but just for everyone, like Santi said, it is a pay-per-view that you should watch, but it is not a pay-per-view you should watch for the, the wrestling. It yeah. is just, it's one of those historical ones that just needs to be, if you're a wrestling you fan and you it. want you you can't you see it once you'll never forget it again. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I guess what I what I was trying to say is yeah, definitely don't is this is not for the entertainment factor. It, um, I'm saying it's one of those moments in history that we cannot let forget. Yes. Right? It, it, we we cannot forget this moment. So younger wrestling fans, you you should go back and watch and experience this moment, even though, you know, it's 20 plus years after the fact, because generations of wrestling fans, we shouldn't let this moment ever be forgotten. Yeah. 
All right. And then let's uh, wrap it up here, Steve, with the final one. Um, I decided to add this one because it's, let's the, go. it's the greatest ass kicking I've ever seen a man receive and just continues to get up and, <laughs> and receives another ass kicking five times worse than the one before that. And that is mankind uh, at the at this moment, infamous Hell in a Cell match against The Undertaker, where he got tossed off the cell, through the cell, and then got absolutely beaten down with chairs. So, Steve, this is definitely right up your alley. I want to, yeah, I want to give you give you the mic here. Mick Foley, aka Mankind, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety eight, arguably, in Santi's words, the greatest spot fest of all time. Um. I remember this was one of the first times that they really utilized the cage or the cell as this overpowering being. Um, when Taker was up there and Mick Foley were up there, you're like, oh man, it would be funny if one of them went off. Like, but they'll never do that. And then all of a sudden, Undertaker, for some reason in his mind, decides to, it's a good idea, to yeet. Mick Foley. A full yeet. A full, like it was full send into the Spanish announce table. There it is and again. It, <laughs> doesn't stop. And it's good old JR. Oh my God, he's killed him. Oh my God. The match, stop the match. One of the greatest calls of all time. And you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, okay, the match is done. Like this is good. I, I know it's no DQ, but they're just going to stop this match. No. They don't. Mick Foley decides to get up and <laughs> climb. Oh, no, they tried to walk him out, didn't they? They tried to take yeah. him out. And he turns around and he goes, no, I want to be obliterated in a 20 by 20 squared circle even more. I'm going to go crawl my ass up, my 300 and some odd pound ass, to the top of the cell again and let this overpowering dead man beat me down more now for people who have never seen this match just remember the cell today is actually a properly constructed structure this thing was held together with zip ties okay these are a 300 and some odd pound man and another 300 and some odd pound dead man on the top being held up by zip ties now, they go through their spots and their motions, and then all of a sudden, there's a chair that Mick Foley has brought up, and Undertaker back suplexes him on the chair through the cell, and because of poor trajectory, Mick Foley's face comes down on the corner of the falling chair that is under him, and it decides to shoot this tooth up and bring it out his nose. The match is done there, right, guys? No. I, the one thing, Santi, I remember all of this, it's Terry Funk. Terry Funk trying to tell Mick Foley, stop, you're done, you've done in us. And, and just for, for younger fans, Terry Funk is the only person potentially crazier than Mick Foley. Mick Foley, Mick, Terry Funk is the originator of the death match. Okay. 
This man has been in more death matches than I think New Jack and the rest of ECW put together. Okay. When he's saying enough, like, <laughs> you know, you know, there's something wrong. And a heavily concussed, bleeding, beaten up Mick Foley decides to give us the show that a Hell in a Cell deserves. And he goes back for his final crucifixion, we'll call it. And he is pinned with the one, two, three. And if that is not a heroic yet stupid, but heroic performance, Santi, I don't know what is. Like, no one's ever going to put put on that performance again, ever. It's one of those ones, again, if you want to know your history of pro wrestling, it's one of those ones that will never happen again, but you must watch once. Yes, it's it's not a long watch either. All of this happens in like 10 minutes, guys. It's a very, very quick, lightning fast 10 minutes. Uh, but yeah, to me, like it's it's almost slapstick comedy at this point. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, um, it, it, uh, in terms of severity, it's not not even close, but like, just follow, follow me here. Uh, it reminds me of Dolph Ziggler versus Goldberg, where Goldberg comes out, spears him, goes away, Dolph Ziggler's like, I want more. Out comes Goldberg, spears him. Goldberg leaves. Dolph Ziggler's like, I'm not done yet. Out comes Goldberg, spears him, and leaves. It's just, it, it's slapstick. It's just like this crazy, crazy lunatic of a man continuing to come back for more. And every time he comes back, he gets it 10 times worse. This is what I mean by it's slapstick. You, you almost... It's almost comedic to a point because yeah. it's so ridiculous, right? It it the what's happening is 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 very scary and very dangerous, but it's so dangerous and so ridiculous that the fans and the audience are just left to believe even now today that like yeah, like that's normal. It's it's just normal mankind no motherfucker <laughs> none of that is normal none of what happened to that man should happen to anybody in professional wrestling i'm sorry we've seen the spot fest of shane physically jumping himself off the cell um i think shane's is shane the only oh rikishi sorry rikishi is the other one who's gone off the cell i can't remember really anyone else that's gone from the top but when you are yeeted and the person controlling your fall is controlled by the person throwing you. But yeah, there. What aim by the Undertaker, by the I way? Exactly, because <laughs> that Spanish announce table is only about six feet wide, or six feet long, two feet wide. The fact that he got that trajectory perfect, and I still think another comedy spot in this is when he, Mick Foley is laying there. His leg is under the barricade, <laughs> under someone's seat, and you see these really scuffed up white Nikes of someone, and he's just trying to move out of the way for this dead body. Oh, man. It's, it, like, honestly, the way you described it while you were describing it of the uh, Goldberg Dolph Ziggler moment, I was thinking exact same thing, but uh, Ambrose and Lesnar. Where like Ambrose took that beating from Lesnar and then laughed it off and said, "Come give me some more." I thought that was great, and though you have perfectly put that, and Undertaker credit to him for staying again in character because 
I'm worried at this point. I literally knocked this man out. Yeah, if I was the Undertaker, I'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Santi, like, that was one of those matches where, like, again, if you are a wrestling fan and you have never seen it, first off, I'm not giving you the title of a wrestling fan if you've never seen that match. But heroism and overall fantastic world-class perform well not world-class it's more of being a stunt double or a stunt no he was no double he was the stunt dummy <laughs> being the stunt dummy he did a great job at it and for whatever the 10 to 12 minutes that 10 to 12 minutes that will live on in infamy because of that performance so uh, no i couldn't agree with you moro but steve that is uh going to be the end of our show uh if you happen to listen all the way through please make sure to subscribe here over on youtube if you're listening to podcast services around the globe whether that's apple podcast spotify or any podcast service that you're listening to please make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're on and if you're on a platform that allows to leave reviews please make sure to leave us a five-star review or whatever a positive review might be we would really appreciate that if you're on youtube please make sure to subscribe turn on your notifications because we are uploading three times per week you don't want to miss that and of course let's give the floor over to steve steve where can people find you guys i will soon be back on twitch so please uh give me a follow on twitch.tv slash mr tesh and then obviously you can find me on our tiktok which we have just broken three hundred fifty-five thousand uh followers uh at straight shoot and then also on twitch uh no sorry on tiktok uh mr uh, mr tesh is where you can find me. Santi, what about you? I just blew that one. Yeah, well done. Uh, you can find me over on twitch.tv slash app, and of course over on the Straight Shoot TikTok. That's all I will pimp out for now. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next, the next couple days with a video if you're yeah. here on YouTube, but if you're on podcast services, we'll see you next week. Take care. Later.